What's up, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. I'm sitting down with my two main <laughs> men, fitness. It's Halloween. Oh, oh, dude, it actually scared me a little bit. You did get scared. <laughs> I got, yeah, you could. Yeah, you got me. You got me. You got me pretty good there. Holy shit. Max just screamed and did some sort of vampire pose, and it got me real good. Max was just showing us his Halloween candy, giving out full-size full size. bars of every type of candy and That's what happens when you're an affiliate owner dog i can't help it <laughs> yeah just rolling in it <laughs> you're like scrooge mcduck man just swimming in your, your pool <laughs> of gold coins um can i can i be real for a second so i have absolutely really real, no son. no self-control so i'm trying to hold out till tonight to to have a little bit of candy to enjoy halloween so i was just sitting before the podcast eating a whole thing of blackberries just looking at the candy you know like have you ever seen somebody that takes like uh that takes like a big sniff of like like um popcorn or chips and then like takes a big bite of broccoli <laughs> you know what i mean it's exactly like that That's what shout I was out shout out to, to lucy hobart one of the real ones um she was out my mom was like no food coloring no preservative kick you know growing up and i would go to school man and i would just be hustling for everybody's dunkaroos which i heard are coming back gushers the little street sharks gummy snacks i would do anything i could i would just sit there in tears <laughs> eating a fucking seaweed kelp bar watching my friends suck down fruit by the foot man it, oh, our God. our our moms probably went food shopping at the same health food store because sure. first off my mom hates halloween she can't stand giving out candy so my mom used to give out like i hate to say this like bag you know raisins? like bags of packages of raisins and like bags of like potato chips like cape cod cape cod reduce fat potato chips so that wasn't so bad but you know <laughs> it's okay and now and now obviously i have a problem with candy so um i'm so psyched for halloween i can't Me too. i love it very cool dude very cool yeah that's a good feeling man when you got like the king candy on the block and you're going to be that guy who's going to be giving out the king bars Funny story really quick uh one of my one of my buddies moved to a neighborhood and in the neighborhood the um owner of Tootsie Rolls, the Tootsie Company, oh, is on yeah. is on is on this street. And so that? so they the neighbors came by and like, hey, just so you know, like on Halloween, they block off our neighborhood. And it's king size only. Oh my! This isn't the person that owns the the. Like, it's not the Tootsie, Tootsie House. That's not the Tootsie it's not, King. It, it's it's not the Tootsie Roll. Or it's like the Tootsie Prince. No, and they're just <laughs> you know, and they're, the Tootsie Prince. But, but, but they're you know, it's like the streets blocked off, and you better fucking come correct with king size bars or turn all your lights off. Yeah, it's written you know? like the fucking HOA agreement. King size <laughs> yeah. only. King size only. So anyway, I thought that yeah, was. Yeah, you thought. got another. Per you got a, you got something else you're handing out too. You're not just handing out candy, man. No, that's candy right, man. No, that's right. We got. What else you got? We got Pokemon cards. So the the reason I know about this is my my little sister and her husband um, texted me and they're like, "Hey, just so you know, if you go to Target, they have these. They're three card packs called Trick or Trade." And you can get 50 packs 
for I think it was like 15 or 16 bucks. But I'm going to open up every single pack first to make sure that there aren't any <laughs> exclusive cards. And then I'll give out the the bad ones. I'll give out all the jiggly puffs and diglets to all the kids. But <laughs> I love diglet. The, <laughs> keeping the Charizards and the Mewtwo's for myself. There's this account which um, splices different Pokemon. And I think it's like there's a, it, it splices like a diglet. And then there's like this cow Pokemon. And then what's the a diglet? That come out and looked at, he looks just like a little boner popping up out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was telling you guys, I'm, I'm a couple of years older. So I was in probably eighth or ninth grade when Pokemon came out and you just couldn't like it. Even if you thought like, even if you thought it was cool, even if you thought it was, it was that kind of like time too. What is that? Like it was, early. It was, it was polarizing. Yeah, it was like it was late nineties. Like super late nineties. You had to act cool. Couldn't couldn't do the Pokemon, but um, yeah. But now, fire now. Yeah, you can do that, <laughs> you can do whatever you want now. You can you can do anything you want. Something um, did happen where nerds got cool. I was I was flipping through Instagram the other day, and this this girl did this post, and she's like, "Now that I'm in my thirties and I have money, I don't have to be ashamed of my hobbies, and I can you know buy thousands of whatever." She's like really into Pokemon, um. When did that, that got kind of got cool. It's kind of cool to be like a nerd now. Maybe not. Maybe I, I'm still a nerd I, and I'm not cool. No, I think it's, I, I think it's when you grow up and just don't care what everybody else thinks or whatever trend is cool. And you're just able mm -hmm. to make your own decisions, which is really, really nice. Yeah, dude. I mean, high school can be ruthless. And if you're walking, I went to an all guys high school. So I went to an all oh, guys. Give Catholic me a break. Yeah. Break me off a piece of that kid, calf bar. <laughs> and you had to wear a suit and tie every day to school. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. And there was an orientation week that we had. It was called three C week. So when you're a freshman, you come on in for three C week, which is like an orientation week before you get into actual like school year. Right. So at that time though, they also have all the varsity teams there practicing the fall varsity team. So like varsity track and field and varsity football and whatever other fall sports there are dude when i was a freshman in high school these fucking seniors looked like 40 year old men <laughs> <laughs> these, there was one dude his name was razul wallace man he was the biggest most the batman villain right there he was the most muscular <laughs> dude i have ever seen in my life this guy was insanely I was born in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, dude. There was all, there was another guy who would wear. We had this really strict dress code, and there was another guy who just didn't give a fuck. He wore like he looked like he was out of Newsies. He was like an offensive <laughs> lineman. He wore one of those baseball hats, you know, those like short hats, those like old no. man hats. <laughs> the Scully caps. Yeah, and he's just drinking. He's drinking craft beers, dude. He had a messenger bag, a Scully cap, and a full <laughs> beard. And would walk around the school not giving a fuck. Anyway, so during this three- <laughs> he, was, he was from the 1920s. Extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> during this 3C week, like you're doing like all these physical activities and stuff and you're learning about the school. And this one kid, and I won't name his name, but this one kid stood up at the beginning of 3C week at the front of homeroom and was like, hey guys, this summer I went to magic camp and I just want to show you a few magic tricks. And it oh. was like- Dude, it was, I was sitting there and I was like melting into my chair because you're, it's like this pecking order of people trying to like figure out like who's going to be in the in crowd, who's not going to be in the in crowd. And of course, like at that time, 
all you're really worried about is not getting eaten by like a fucking senior or something like that. So I will never, ever forget, dude, the, the magic camp on the first day sealed his fate for four years of high school, which is a ruthless environment sometimes. Yeah, I so, mean, he, he like a lamb to slaughter. He put himself up for that. Put himself up for it. Anyway, it's not cool now. Maybe I mean, it wasn't cool then. Maybe which it is, would be cool now. Yeah, uh, he's in a bar. He's in a bar with a deck of cards just impressing people. He, he's killing it now, man. So funny There's enough. This... Oh, go, Max. When I was, I think I was in elementary school or maybe it was the beginning of middle school. And big shout out to Jeff Kellogg, who wanted to be a magician, I think, when he was in elementary and middle school. And I think ended up being. Who's Jeff Kellogg? Me. Hold on. He was a guy he's that actually wanted... referred to as the amazing magical Jeff Kellogg. Now. No, he's the spectacular Kellogg. That's Is what he, he the goes president under. of and... the, the Kellogg company just giving out cereal on Halloween. They make yeah, cereal out, pop out. Gives out frosted flakes. So, oh, he, so he, he he wanted to be a magician. I believe starting in elementary school. In middle school, he taught me a card trick, a coin trick, uh, like a disappearing pencil trick, and how to juggle. And I still use all of those things today. Mostly when I was teaching kindergarten, it really helped. The one trick though that you pretend to put a pencil up your nose, do not teach the kindergartners because it doesn't end well when they try and do it themselves. <laughs> they will legitimately stick <laughs> into their nose. We had we had a lot of ER visits, but also a lot of fun. Um oh, so yeah, man. That's too it. funny. Magic is cool. Did you guys stop dressing up at some point? Like, are you guys still dresser uppers for Halloween? Max, will you be in a costume tonight when you're giving out your candy? Uh, oh, every day I wear a costume. Um, <laughs> I put on a costume for work today because yeah, I so, dressed up for the first time for the first time together as a couple this year. It was awesome. What, what, what was you your dress costume? up as? Oh man, we're gonna go deep. Yes, I up as a monkey you put Doofy. yourself out there. What, no, hold That's on. What? We were all talking. What? Uh, what did you say? That's okay. I already said. It. I don't need to say it again. No, no, say it again. No, hell yeah! I dressed up as a Monkey D. Luffy from uh, One Piece. What is that, Monkey DeLuffy? I'm not even. He's the. You know, if you don't know, man. Do you, J- Max? Do you know what Monkey DeLuffy is? I'm looking D- it up right now. I don't even know how to spell Monkey DeLuffy. D. It's it's three separate things. What's that anyway, from? It sounds like it's the, from he's like the, he's the pirate captain of the Straw Hat Pirates. Um, you know, is this anime piece. stuff? It is anime, but it started as a manga. So, boom! There he is. Oh, I've seen that guy before. Yeah. What did that's Cass- cool. What did Cassandra dress up as? She dressed it up as uh, the ship's cook, Sanji. So going deep here, James. You Hogan. guys, you guys, no, you guys man. are I great. Told you, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I got, I sit on a, a lot of nerd nerdiness. Um, that's how I got through law school. I started, I started watching anime and reading, uh, reading manga. So I needed something that wasn't, I don't know, a case, just case trip. law trespassing and hero was setting up hero was thinking that you studied law school barely law school is really interesting man because law school is complete at least in my opinion completely manageable if you just manage your time and energy right and there's a lot of nonsense i mean that this can probably bleed over into other cool conversation but there's a lot of nonsense that goes on in law school in terms of like people trying to um for lack of a better term like dick measure about like how much time they're spending studying. Oh. That was like a really big deal in law school. And I see this in fitness too. Like this is a cool conversation to carry over into fitness. There's always this active conversation. It's an ongoing conversation in law school where it's like, 
I'm studying this many hours. I'm doing this many notes. I've spent this much time in the library today. I read this much extra case law. I'm like, dude, who the who cares? Who cares? Like, go and live your life. Like, one of the things that was really interesting about law school is like, if you just did the work, if you did the assignments, if you read them and you put in your time and you showed up and you paid attention during class, like, you could do pretty darn well. You didn't have to ever pull all nighters. There was no reason to ever pull an all nighter. There was no reason to ever um, like worry about, you know, what time anybody else is getting into the library. It was a weird, like pecking order game um, in terms of like just people trying to show that they were outworking other people. And then in that vein, just like spending a lot of time not working because you're necessarily talking about your work instead of doing your work. A really interesting dynamic. Really, really interesting. I miss law school a lot, though. I I really enjoyed it. Oh, man, I loved it. And I, I was not like a quote unquote good student, you know, but I was in Boston living on my own. It was the best, man. Yeah, it was, I treated it kind of like a job, man. It was like you showed up for my classes. I had times that I could go to the gym and the rec center. And I went to uh, William and Mary down in Virginia. So like a palatial college campus where you had an awesome um, weight room and like rec facility. There was intramural sports that we played. We had a softball team, a flag football team. It was really cool because the, um, the law school kind of integrated with the, the undergraduate in that way. Like they had, you could, you could play on the intramural sports teams still, which was like just an extension of college. Essentially. That was one of the best parts of college, the intramural sports. Well, it's funny you're talking about just like the uh, like the chest thumping about how many hours you spend in the gym, because I've been I've been posting consistently with my workouts and, you know, who cares, but I've been getting lately more and more DMs from people of like, is this all you do? Yeah. Is this the only thing you do? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much like at this point in my life. This is kind of the only thing I do. Um, we've talked about this before. And mm-hmm. this one guy, a couple of people have been like, oh, this is awesome. This is what I'm going to start doing. And I was like, yeah, man. This one guy was talking to me. He's a 27, 30 year old guy in that range. And he's like, I just want to be a good example for my kids as they grow older. He said, I want to be a good example for other dads in the neighborhood. He said, but I work a physical job. And he's like, I can't spend two, three hours in the gym. And I was like, what are your goals? He's like, I just want to be healthy and fit. Yeah. I was like, you don't have to spend two, three hours in the gym. And it's cool seeing people kind of, you know, watching them talk through that thought pattern of like, I need to be in two and a half hours a day. Cause that's what everyone quote unquote else is doing. Um, and then come to the realization of like, cause I started CrossFit cause you could be in the gym for only 30 minutes and have some sort of effective workout. I know we've talked about this a lot, but yeah, I think it's super powerful. And, um, it, for me, I always come back to that and it was just funny too. Cause I sat at the other end of it where I worked out eight hours a day, but we talked about this last time, but it's been cool seeing people kind of reach out about that and, and hopefully feel like, well, I can go play with my kids an extra hour or I can go whatever, learn a new skill. Yeah. I only have to be in there for 45 minutes to an hour. It's hard, man. It's hard because I think that there's there's so much stuff. There's so many moves out there. Even if you just looked at movements and equipment, if you just looked at those two things, be like, man, am I missing out by not doing X, Y, or Z? Like, do I have to add this additional, you know, accessory work? Do I have to have you know, a GHD at my house to be able to do back extensions and GHD sit-ups. I, was, I had that thought the other day. I had that thought, that same exact thought the other day. I was like, man, it'd be really cool to have a GHD at the house. And I was like, 
I hardly even use the GHD when I'm going into the gym. Like it's a great tool, but like, why would I need a fucking GHD at my house? It's going to take up five square feet of space. And it's one of those things that I think it's, it's a comparison game. We've talked about this in the past. You look at other people, you see what they do. You're looking at the physiques of some of these guys who are out there at the Rogue Invitational. I was looking at um, Bro. Blacksmith. Um, what What's his name? Chandler um, Smith. Chandler Smith, dude. Dude, Chandler Smith looks like he's carved out of fucking stone. Like that dude has muscles that are running away from his body. They're just, <laughs> he's insanely built. And he deadlifted and he, 600 pounds in a collared shirt. Can you imagine? <laughs> He's also he's also a collegiate wrestler, and I think he's like a purple belt or a brown belt in jujitsu. I cannot imagine how fucking terrible it would be to roll jujitsu with Chandler Smith. How strong and how conditioned he is, and how technically sound he is, and to be a good wrestler, it's probably a nightmare. Did um anyway? Did you guys watch any of the Rogue Invitational? No, no, I paid a, a little bit of attention to what Jason was up to down there. He was down there competing with the Legends competition, which I think is one of the coolest aspects of what they do. It was with, cool. Yeah. And the Legends, the, they don't have judges. They don't have s- scores. It's just they put them out on the field. They and throw they, down. The guys throw down, which is fantastic. It was uh, – so I watched I watched the Rogue Invitational. I like to – know at least what's going on in the in the competitive world of uh crossfit it was pretty cool it was uh really neat to see laura go head to head with tia because there are a lot of naysayers after the crossfit games saying like oh well you know if tia was there she'd win and so they went head to head laura ended up winning but also tia just had a baby fucking six months ago which is just it's just amazing like all she looks pretty, male, pretty in well, shape well, for having well, a whatever, baby. Well, whatever crazy. male athletes are doing, it doesn't even matter. Like, sure, you know, deadlifting six hundred pounds—that's impressive, I guess. But like, you had a baby six months ago. Now you're coming back into the field. You take second at the Rogue Invitational. Annie Thor's daughter, after having her first child, right, came back, came second place at the games. Like, I, I just think that that in itself is is a pretty amazing accomplishment. Best part of the whole Rogue Invitational was the funny little video that Jason and Miranda put together, TPing um, the, uh, the, 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 mayhem. the mayhem, the mayhem stuff. I thought that was pretty funny because um, I don't know. I never really see Jason be like goofy. I don't know him very well. I just obviously follow him on social media. So I thought it was, I thought it was really funny. Got it. Got a chuckle out of me. I know James was really upset about the whole thing. <laughs> so I just, man, I sent well, both yeah, of them I, really, really nasty text messages. Yeah. I don't even, honestly, we really shouldn't talk about it. Cause it's just like opening already kind of like a, like a very tough still, wound. still triggered. Yeah. 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 It's still very raw for you. Um, Dude, but. it's it's cool to be alive during the um like the golden era still of this sport, right? Like it's still to be it's still cool to have experienced like what I view as the the that legends category of being able to watch all of those guys and girls compete in all those years of the CrossFit games when it was like the absolute pinnacle of attention in the sport and to still see them out there and to still be so accessible and most of these most of these athletes are very down to you, earth, man. It's so you, cool you, to be able to talk to them as well. You, you think that that was the pinnacle of the sport? I think the Froning Frazier era, like I think that that might have been at least in terms of like legendary status, like the first layer of legends. 
Yeah. Maybe, not maybe not the first layer, but like you have like the Babe Ruth. So when you think about a comparison to baseball, before Babe Ruth, obviously there were some superstars. But then Babe Ruth, Baby Ruth, the Sultan of SWAT, the Colossus of Clout. Sandlot, baby. So good. But I think I like to. I think like those guys are like the Babe Ruth type of figures in in CrossFit. And then you have like the people who predate them. Obviously, you have like the people before that, which was like Spieler, um, Josh Everett, um, like all these other guys. What, Miko Salo? Well, Miko before that, but like um, was like Bionic. Uh, there were a few others who gained James who Hobart, really notable. Yeah, James Hobart for sure. James Hobart, like whoever was in every second counts, is like the era before the Babe Ruth era of um, CrossFit. Kevin Montoya. I don't think he was. I mean, that was that was like a Pat Barber. That was a. I mean, you know, Kalipa's breakout. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I saw Jeremy Thiel was on a podcast the other day, CrossFit Central. You know, it's cool He's to see him. Been around for fucking ever. Early competitor, and now you know running. He, huge mega gyms down in Austin, Texas, and just been mm. involved with it forever. It's cool to see. Um, yeah, yeah it, was like, it was a fun bit of nostalgia for sure. Like it gave me, it was just like a good, gave me like a good laugh. And like, I don't know, it's just like, it's a kind of a cool thing to be in the know on, even though it's like there's the sport and CrossFit has moved so far beyond that. Mm. Um, it was, it was really funny. Um, speaking of, uh, the Chicago Bears. Are you guys following? Uh, <laughs> Smooth. Uh, are you Are you guys Buttery. following everything uh, with the with the new Chicago Bears quarterback? Um, well, it's Travis Banjan's son. Yes. Yeah, so so Tra- th- this is the the reason I brought this up is we're talking about OG stuff, and so I was thinking about the documentary Pulling John. Did you yeah. guys ever ever watch that? Oh man, I almost fucking jumped out of my chair. That's such a great documentary. Pulling Pulling John and uh For a Fistful of Quarters are two of my favorite like human interest documentaries. For a Fistful of Quarters is the Donkey Kong uh yes. high score story, which is unreal if you oh, have I'm gonna seen. write James, that down. James, dude, if For oh my sure. god, your nerd brain is gonna melt out of your fucking <laughs> ear. Um, this documentary but, is so good. So Man on Wire, too, well, is really good. Yeah. Was pulling John Savon's first full length movie or like full length documentary? I forgot that Savon did that as well. I, I don't know whether it was his first, but it was really early on. So this is this is the this is kind of the crazy connection that's again, I don't know if you guys have been following this, but this guy, the 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 quarterback for the Chicago Bears, this guy, Tyson Bagent, Bagent um has been doing crossfit for his like entire life yeah and he was the backup quarterback for the chicago bears and he just got promoted as as a starter he had one good game and one kind of lackluster game this past week but his father stars in pulling john and his father is the one who got him started doing crossfit Mm -hmm. and has you know apparently and again i the only place I get my information from two places, Wikipedia, which is always correct, or <laughs> um, or Andrew Hiller. And, and Hiller's both, made both, a couple. Yeah, both yeah, are super both, always correct. Okay. Yeah, they're definitely definitely putting together some real factual shit. No, and so, you know, uh, <laughs> apparently when, when all this stuff has been going on, he, um, 
John, whatever his, his father has been like pestering CrossFit to put together some media on his son. Right. Tra- like, Travis has been pestering Travis, CrossFit. Yes. Tra- Travis and you know, Hiller's the first one to pick it up. And then apparently CrossFit came in at like the, you know, the, the 11th hour and started to put together all this media uh, on it. I just thought it was, I, I thought it was really, really, uh, really interesting. Just the whole, the whole piece. Well, so with, but, notably pulling John is about arm wrestling. It's about becoming essentially the best American arm wrestler and then international arm wrestler in the world. And Travis Badgent, um, was a guy from very humble beginnings and was an unreal talent. And I think his dad, Travis Badgett's dad, was also an unreal arm wrestling talent. So there's like three generations. We have the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. We've got Travis Badgett, who was in Pulling John as one of the main characters trying to win the international title for arm wrestling. And he goes up against this like massive Russian as well, right? There's that Russian guy who's just training with literally like wolves and shit. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he was wrestling wolves and bears at the same time. Um, But Travis Badgett was also one of the earliest announcers at the CrossFit games. He was, he was on the mic at the CrossFit games. And I saw something that popped up on like either ESPN or Fox recently. Like um, they were doing a set, yeah, they were doing a little. I'm segment. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> they were doing a little segment on uh, Travis Badgett's son, um, the starting quarterback for the Bears, and Travis kind of grabs the microphone and just takes over the whole show, dude. He is so charismatic on the microphone; it is unbelievable. He's so entertaining. He's got such like a huge persona, and then he's just slamming people with the arm wrestling. <laughs> um, arm wrestling. First off. That stuff's amazing, and his personality is huge. Arm wrestling is like the scariest thing in the world to me because I'm watching. I watched a a piece on uh, Travis coaching people up to arm wrestle, and he's like, "Whatever you do when you arm wrestle, never look away from your arm. Like you always like your head goes where your arm goes always." And he's like, "If you take your eye off your arm," like you're going to have your arm snapped. And that to me is like the worst thing I could ever imagine. So for me, mostly I thumb wrestle and I am looking to become. (laughs) Yeah. Show me what's the technique for that. Show me the. Well, one, two, three, four. I declare a thumb. Okay. The official Uh, rules. Also no sneak attacks. Um, But no index finger. Thumb wrestle. So I've been doing a lot of thumb exercises. I go five down, five left five right and then i just go back and forth sometimes i do tabatas reverse tabatas weighted tabatas all that sort of just sitting in the gym with uh sweatbands (laughs) around your thumb (laughs) (laughs) with a little with a little face i look like when you used to draw little faces on your thumb and a little little mini whoop on your thumb but do do you guys remember stick stickly from um oh from nicolette sorry no, I don't remember stick stickly. I'm, I'll just put myself on mute here. Um, so anyway, that I thought I thought that was pretty interesting in the uh, in the CrossFit world. And then we said we wanted today to to talk about the big news uh, in well, in CrossFit right now. Before we get to the big news, have you guys seen um, like the latest iteration of Dana White's like next project, the slapping the um, power slap competition? Oh, have you guys watched into that? Have you guys watched? Dude, I, first of all, it's stop. Yes, it's so I've seen brutal this stuff. to watch. I can't. 
it's like it's gut wrenching. It's almost harder for me to watch Power Slap than it is to watch the UFC. Um, um I didn't know that strange, Dana White man. was. I didn't know that Dana White was getting into this. He he, <clears throat> he either acquired the company or he's like the main horse driving the marketing behind the company. So power slap, I don't know how the I don't know how the rules of the competition work or how they figure out who slaps first, but essentially it's just two people standing a few feet away from each other and then whoever is going to get slapped first is holding like a baton behind their back so that they can't put their arms up to defend and the other person just full on slaps them across the face. That's the whole thing. And it's like it's so there's so many knockouts. There's so many people who just go to sleep from getting slapped across the face. It's brutal to watch. Do you need money that badly that this is the thing that's going to take you there? Like there is, I, I get it. I'm not taking anything away from these pro slappers. And there's probably a lot of training and stuff that gets that, like that goes <laughs> into training. it. But, but well, I, there, yeah, there's there probably is dude. There, there's got to be something, but you're telling me like, this is the best use of your time. You're like, you know what? I'm going to make it pro on the pro slapping tour. I mean, that is literally one step above the pro wrestler or pro thumb wrestling tour right now. Again, I, it just, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I do not want to watch it. And I never, ever want to be slapped. I would want to be part of a competition that gives out the best hugs. You give somebody a hug, and depending on how your technique goes, you're bros or you're not. You guys would all be my bros. We can't be saying any of this stuff around your iPhone either because your iPhone is going to listen to you, and then it's going to just feed you nonstop power slap highlights. I'm going to get arms broken from arm wrestling now, power slap highlights, and then Pokemon costumes. That's going to be my feed for the next few days. Is that is that real? Like I don't get I don't a know lot if it's real of, or not. I, I, I don't get a lot <clears throat> of targeted ads like for for that type of stuff. But maybe I'm just not speaking loud enough around my phone. <laughs> so I need to I need to do that uh, uh, a bit louder. Um I think well, it's okay, certainly so, real. Um so, so I just don't know how slap. it all works. So power slap speaking into my phone. I'll have to hey, speaking of um getting yourself a GHD. You probably need one because you could not do the CrossFit main site workout today, which is four rounds of 25 GHT hip extensions and 25 toes to bar. So you should get that GHT. That's the um, workout for today. Four rounds, 25 that, and 25. That, that's They've been the loving that site. 25 rep scheme. Like the four, they, you know. Yeah. Um, Who's programming right uh, now? Do we know? Is it back to mystery box? Pukey. Back to Pukey. Um, I want to <laughs> I want to say something right now. I can't make that joke though. I'll tell you guys after. Oh, okay. James. Put it in the oh, put James. in the group text. Um so no, one one <laughs> back thing to I the big did, news. Oh, actually, James, hold on. James, you're right. Because last Friday they did three rounds, 25 swings, 25 handstand push-ups. That's that's a that's a tough, tough workout. Um no, we were 70 pound we were kettlebell gonna, on that. Yes. Yeah. God, the 70 pound kettlebell is the widow maker. Like you could, you could swing a 53 all day and everything's fine. That's 70. It's like, I, I don't know. It's, I don't even know what it feels so, like to get it above my eyes. I can't, I've never even gotten it above my head ever. Don't need to. <laughs> well, you honestly, you probably really don't, but 
What's the CrossFit New England workout? 21-15-9 kettlebell swing. American kettlebell swing, heavy bell, burpee. Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. Oh, what a perfect workout for Halloween. Uh, I know. Anybody still listening? A week from now. Well, yeah, yeah, a week from now. So this is, we're recording this. So Halloween 2024. 31st. You have have a year to practice. (laughs) So when you listen to this, still a great workout. 21, 15, 9, kettlebell swing, heavy kettlebell swing, going from the waist to the overhead position, and then burpee. And it is over in about three minutes, four minutes, yeah. for, maybe for most it's, people. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's a sub five minute workout. It's Fran for the whole family. When uh, I like when that. I left when <clears throat> I left CFNE, I uh, my going away workout was Welcome to Hell, and it started with the the CFNE workout Satan's Whiskers, which is three rounds, ten front squats, one sixty five, one fifteen, ten burpees, ten chest bars directly into freddy krueger 21 59 kettlebell swing burpee i want people to really remember my time at crossfit <laughs> new england <laughs> um i yeah i love um i love just doing themed things you know like we um you do it's this well from first off i like doing things that are a bit extra um but from like a gym side, we uh, last weekend we had the the tilt Halloween throwdown where all three of our gyms get together and we do a bunch of uh, workouts and I love it. It's like always my favorite event. Over the years, you realize that the workouts really don't matter at all, and they just need to be something that, like, if somebody's wearing like one of those blow up costumes that makes them look like a a man riding a rocket ship into space, that they can do the workout. Mm. You know what I mean? You guys know <laughs> you, you guys know those costumes that have the fans blowing inside them. Yeah. Um. So like, as long as they can do all the workouts with that, like that's what matters. Like, I remember when I used to program workouts like early on for the tilt Halloween throwdown, it would be like, there are three different levels of barbells and there are three different levels of movements. Like one athlete has to do chest to bars. One athlete has to do pull-ups and the other athlete has to do jumping pull-ups. Now it's like, whatever the fuck you want to do, we are totally fine with like everything's either with like an empty bar or like you're doing a plate ground to overhead because um real ones know that the number one event at the halloween throwdown is the beer mile the and beer that's mile the, oh wow that's yes. also a crossfit new england classic uh let's actually write history the correct way i introduced the beer mile to cfne about uh, a decade I ago think, i don't think you okay did. <laughs> first first beer mile at cfne was run by jc del real the realist the del real deal Bob Dopest Tan Rinaldi and Tam, and, and Tam, tallest man in the world, Paul Bunyan's cousin, McVee. Those three guys, I got to run the beer mile after one of our throwdowns. And then that was the only time that I ever got Bob to do Fran. I would not recommend this, but Bob, one best of the best, in the world, best stories of all time. I'm a grown ass man. I'm not doing this. This, this is, this is, this is a very, this is a very good story. So, um, God, the things that you used to do in CrossFit back in the day that you would never do now. Could never. Um, anyway, like what? 
Well, like there was a day there, there used to, there, there used to be this thing called like um, Decepticon, the workout it, it Decepticon. Was, it was called Decepticon, and you would you would warm people up with a ninety five pound barbell. Like it, maybe you were doing sumo deadlift high poles or hang power cleans. And then right before the workout started, you'd be like, guess what? You're doing Fran. And like, everyone's like, oh, shit. And like, <laughs> the whole place would go nuts. Yeah. And, there, and like, there'd be like fog machines and like fucking balloons dropping from the ceiling and everybody'd be screaming and everybody rips their clothes off. And then, um, and then you would do Fran and everybody would have the best time ever. But one time we did this and Bob was like, I'm not doing Fran. And I was like, totally fine. Don't do Fran. So anyway, after I ran the beer mile with Bob one year, I'm like, hey, we're going to get a bunch of people in the back to do Fran. You in? He was like, I'm in. So it only took him four beers and he was in. Uh, but anyway. I would uh, be the person now who'd be like, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm doing whatever, whatever I what? showed up. To do yeah, you're like on the board. You're like, I'm gonna go do some GHD hip extensions in the back. Um <laughs> no, but the 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 beer mile is a really fun event. Four rounds, uh one beer, four hundred meter run. Uh world record for the beer mile, and this is real, is like sub five minutes. That's fuck that's crazy. How much how much do you let an athlete change a workout um before you're like, hey, you gotta do this? You know, like how much do you let them change the workout? They come in, they're like, I don't want to do friend. So be to be on, all right, go ahead, MDV. For for me, it comes down to whether or not they still are interested overall in doing the program. So if 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 I notice that there's enough adjustments, or if there's enough um, days where they come in, they go, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go to the other yeah. room." Um, or if they're literally changing everything in the workout on a regular basis, I think the conversation around that time for the athlete. It, one, number one is figuring out, hey, do they have anything that's going on that is physically that is um, preventing them from trying certain things or doing certain things? And then the other would be like, are there are there certain preferences? Like, do I just do? Are they trying to change the complexity down to more moderate complexity? Are they lowering the loading? And in those cases, I think that everything is fine. But if you're literally showing up and it's like, all right, there's pull ups and burpees and um, power cleans in the workout. And they're like, okay, cool. Instead, I'm going to run, I'm going to do jump rope and I'm going to, uh, climb, climb the climbing rope, like a completely, a completely different workout, completely different experience. Like nothing that has anything to do really with what's going on that day. Then I think the conversation is a little bit more about like, Hey, are you interested in this style of training still? Because part of this style of training is, presenting the workout on the board and then figuring out what your best workout is for that day, but also being able to coach and transfer skills to a large group of people. And I want to make sure you're having the best and safest experience and changing everything every time. I don't think really um, gets to that end. So if it becomes something where there's like massive changes all the time, I think it's more of a conversation about like, Hey, is this, is this style of training still working for you? Does, does that happen to you, James? Like, and <clears throat> in, in, in my experience, I, I've never really had an athlete be like, I, you know, completely don't want to, to, to do this workout in any way, shape or form. It's more like, Hey, you know, I seem to like modify around a couple things, or can you give me some mods that are more in line with like what my, what my fitness goals are, but I don't know. 
I think most of the time it's just reduction of complexity or loading. No, it, it does not happen a lot at all. I just I just want to know like what how you guys handle that. What do you find acceptable? Mm. Um, how much you really care? Because I, I feel like that that whole concept of even just like cherry picking in inside of CrossFit, like that was just like a I don't know, like a boogie. I used to care. Of, I I used to care so that. much. It's just kind of disappeared, you know. Yeah, the cherry picking conversation used to be. And it's like if over long term they show up, they're not really going to cherry pick. And if they do, I don't know. I was just curious how you guys handle that. I mean, the only thing that cherry picking would do for the athlete would be to just most of the time when you're cherry picking, you're avoiding the things that you don't like to do. Right. Or you're avoiding the types of stimulus that you don't find enjoyable or maybe they're a little bit scary or whatever. So you're just showing up to workouts that you look look at that are fun or in your wheelhouse. So you're just getting better at the things that you're good at, which is fine. You're still going to get fitter. You're just not going to get as fit as you could by working on things that you're not as good at. I don't think it really impacts people that much. I used to care a lot about cherry picking and now I care even more. Um, (laughs) No, no, I, 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 I used to care a lot. I, and again, I just feel like, Thank God we've grown in, you know, however many years, but MDV, I'm with you. Like, yeah, sometimes for me, if I'm noticing, I'm like, oh, a lot of people are not showing up on X day. I'm like, oh, I got to kind of take a look at the programming and actually think like, is this fun for people to do? Are we explaining why we're doing something enough? Like I, I look at it more as like, oh, maybe I need to like take a look at like how we're programming as as a gym and if this is fun for people. Because I I, I think ultimately now that's what I care the most about. Not not that everybody every day is like the most fun, but like people need to be coming in and like having a good time and and enjoying the programming. And I think a lot of it has to do with how you're talking about what what we're doing and how the coaches are delivering the product mm-hmm. and Right. I mean, that's that that's the thing. Some of the things that that matters the most. Right. So, so in terms of fun, I, I and I agree with you, I think that's that's one of the more important elements of programming in a, in a class and gym environment is making sure that your workouts are fun. I think that that's kind of twofold, though, I, and I think that it's mostly mindset related. I think that if the program is being put down on paper in you know, a thoughtful and logical way, and you're not doing anything that's like overly redundant and you're not just smashing people with like crazy amounts of volume and the workout doesn't have so many components that it doesn't make sense. And those, I, honestly, it's hard sometimes to create workouts that are completely nonsense. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's not easy to, compl- to, to create a workout that is like super not fun. But I, I do think that there's a big element of like, just kind of culturally in terms of like, how do the athletes think about coming into the gym and doing a workout? Because literally, you know, any workout can be fun. There are certainly workouts that are more fun, workouts that have like really cool sequences of movements or like the intensity builds over the workout, or there's like kind of a natural flow between one movement to the next, to the next. And like the rounds feel very, um, I guess natural is the best way to pull it, put it. It feels very, very well planned in that way. But I also think, man, like, like quality workouts can be really fun. Workouts that don't have that level of intensity, long AMRAPs can be really fun, but 
It's just your mindset about how you're going into that workout and what you want to get out of it. If you think it's going to be boring, of course it's going to be boring. Um, yeah, I don't self, know what your guys' thoughts. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Right? Um, James, what are your thoughts on that boring programming versus fun programming? I'm, someone once, a member at my old, when I used to own CrossFit Boston <clears throat> and coach there, came up to me and goes, you know, what's great about CrossFit? He's like, it's a challenging workout that's different every day. And I, I really liked how he summed that up. So to me, I think it is kind of hard to pin down on the, on the fun. But the way I look at the, the fun piece is like, if you first stepped into a CrossFit gym, what do you want to do? You want the workout to be accessible to you, which means a coach probably has to make whatever the elements of the workout are available to you. So that's some, some level of scaling. And then there's the variety day to day. I think those are big parts of it. And I think as long as you can continue to manage those two things, I think that helps bring some fun to it. Mm. Um, you know, without adding anything else, I'm not talking about coaching personality or like music or, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying like those two fundamental things are what I think about as yeah. being fun. Like if I was doing chippers every single day, I'd be like, this is not why I started CrossFit me personally. Right. Um, so yeah. It's kind of no, I, you're right. It's, it's, it's about the variety. Um, but like MDV said, like they're, there is something about like getting into, you know, that kind of like flow state and workouts. Those are, those are workouts where I think people are really having like a good time where they're not feeling like stuck in the mud. Right. And I think that there's definitely a time and a place for that sort of, sort of workout, but you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head here. It's like, you don't want people being smashed into the ground every single day. Mm. Yeah. Right. From, from a physical um, standpoint, but also just like, on on the mental side of that people aren't really going to come back mm. right like if, if every single day they're feeling like completely defeated and like they can't do anything right then they're probably not going to come back it's why i think balancing you know high skill versus low skill days is is really important because you can tell everybody how cool it is to program high skill stuff but you know if you're programming you know multiple days during the week and there's muscle ups handstand push-ups handstand walk pistol all this other stuff. It's like, you can really try and hammer home how cool it is to learn a new skill. But like, after a while, people are like, man, fuck this. Like, I really just want to do pull-ups, push-ups and air squats. And um, I mean, that's also why the classics are, the, are a classic for the reason, you know, or the classics are a classic for a reason. You know, like yesterday we did um, a spinoff of Cindy. It was one round of Cindy and then an up ladder of body weight deadlifts. So one round of Cindy one, one round of Cindy two, up ladder there. Mm. And everybody fucking loved the workout, right? Because first off, who doesn't love pull-ups, push-ups, and air squats? Like MDV is literally drooling over there. Like get this guy a napkin. My fave. <laughs> yeah. Um, All-time no, fave. Like that. That's great. And, you know, then – and also if we're talking about having fun, fucking do rope climbs. <laughs> like they're <laughs> what I'm like, that is the major fun component of, of the rope of having those in the gym. Yeah, for sure. Right. Like think about <laughs> Reebok when they used to have the cargo net. Oh, it was like the first shit. day they got the cargo net out to, to use it in a workout. And they were like, Hey, if anything happens on the cargo net, the only thing you need to do is just do not let go with your hands. You get scared up there. You get your foot tangled. Just don't let go. <laughs> this guy man i hope he's all right today but 
he like got to the top and they're like don't like when he like let go and his foot was stuck he was like dangling in the air i think he really hurt his hip that cargo net at reebok was tough to climb man super tough. there was, was a lot of give in that yeah no yeah. anchor in the bottom it was a, tall to the ceiling what a fucking reckless piece of equipment. Yeah, that, that yeah. one was a little bit out there for sure. I, I think I think I'm all set with that, but um we oh, programmed man. to work out next week, uh pirate Nate. So two rope climbs, four handstand push-ups, eight kettlebell swings. And you gotta and carry that, a mouth, a knife in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, time. and you have, you have to have a parrot An on eye your patch. shoulder. Eye patch. Yeah. I think well, the two, um, keep going. No, go ahead. All right. I was it gonna say <laughs> fuck. Who wants to oh, go? You all go. Right. Now I was gonna say Nate's a good example because like last week uh, it was on uh, CrossFit affiliate programming and I, I coached the evening classes at Mafia and people came in and I said hey there you know a lot of them are newer athletes handful of them are newer athletes and I was like hey there are two ways to scale this and I was like we can scale it down to movements that maintain the skill and it can kind of be this balance of metabolic conditioning and a thinking person's workout or we can just take the skill out of this and you'll still work on the general movement patterns but you don't have to think you're just gonna go and it was like. We can do muscle transitions or you can do some sort of like dumbbell hang power clean and jerk, you know, or you can do handstand pushups or you can do a dumbbell push press, you know, the kettlebell swings, the kettlebell swing. But I think every once in a while, it's really okay to like boil a high skill workout down to its fundamental components and movement patterns. Cause there are days I go in the gym and I'm like, I don't want to think through a complex mm. movement. Like I don't want a handstand walk. I'm just going to walk with dumbbells over my head, mm. you know, just for the sole reason of like, I don't want to go through that process right now. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, I mean, uh, for every high skill movement, there are 100% pretty accessible, lower complexity movements that can be adjusted fairly for easily sure. for the athletes. And it's that, that I think is one of the things in terms of preference that I don't have a problem with anymore, where certain people might look at higher level skills and say, hey, listen, it's all good, but I'd rather today instead of doing a jumping muscle up transition or a low ring transition, I'd rather work something that's I'm really going to, to feel. I'm not saying you don't feel those things. You can certainly feel them, but like in the, in the throes of a workout, sometimes you don't want to be, you know, readjusting your false grip and moving through the low ring transition really slowly. You just want to kind of get after it and sweat and feel the workout. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that for sure. Well, I think that's also the, the best part of CrossFit is that if things are being coached well and coaches are communicating with their members, the member can also start to figure out like really what they want to get out of that workout. That's kind of the coolest part about, I think what we do, which is teaching them that every workout can have a different intent, right? You can do the same workout, a couple different times throughout the year and get something completely different out of it every single time mm. that you do it. It's like what makes what we're doing different. And I think what makes a lot of these workouts like completely infinite where there are so many different ways you can go about doing it. Like we just talked about, like leaning into the high skill and keeping things slow or, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to go, like you said, boil it down to like the nitty gritty. I want you to move through it quicker. And then also giving, the athlete, the choice, right? Like that's, I think early on when I, when I was coaching, it was like, so black and white where, Oh, you, you have to do it this way. This is the only way to do it, you know? And then now it's more like, you know, let's actually have a discussion, figure out what's best for you today. 
Mm. You know, and I think when you when you do that and you bring your athlete into the fold, it also shows them like, hey, I I really care about what you're going to do today. And it's not just this is the blanket thing that you're doing. That's a good segue, because I think it's so easy to be black and white when you lack knowledge. Right. Like, I feel like the more knowledge I've accumulated experience, um, it's you under you see the gray a whole lot more because if you don't know what other scaling options are out there you're just like no 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 you have to scale it this way or else the whole program's fucked yeah yeah because you you know you're at the edge you're at the end of the pier and it's foggy and you don't know what's going to happen if you step next so you just really good point well that rigidity also provides like a layer of comfort or safety for a coach who's less experienced right like it's this way because this is the way that I know and the way that I prepared. And this is what I feel comfortable showing you and teaching you. And I'm going to feel very uncomfortable if you want to do something different because one, I'm not maybe not prepared for that, or I've never experienced that, or I don't know what the group dynamic is going to be. If all of a sudden, you know, you're doing X, Y, Z over here and everybody else is doing this. And that comes, I think that's, that comes down to preparation. Um, for somebody who's less experienced, you, you should be preparing. We've talked about this before, like preparing your classes, having contingency plans, understanding what some adjustments are, understanding adjustments up and adjustments down, but then also just repetition and like getting out there and experiencing different circumstances and being thoughtful about how you handled them and looking back and being like, did I handle that the best way possible? Did I have enough flexibility with the athlete to allow them to get their best workout or was I too rigid and it made the experience either awkward or um, not, not as fruitful as it could have been. But I agree with you, James. I think that that's where that black and white nature, I think everybody experiences that or most people experience that at the outset of their coaching journey, because it's easier. It's easier to just be uh, a zero sum game as opposed to, as opposed to having that like gray area. Just uh, wrapping up programming, and I think um, we also wanted to talk a little bit about, there was an announcement from CrossFit. They recently hired a new global affiliate manager. Is that the title? Global affiliate? VP of global affiliates and operations. VP of global affiliate and operations. We should, I mean, we've talked about programming quite a bit, but the two things that I find the hardest to, to balance in like a GPP program are how do you balancing of upper and lower body major movement function because there's so much that goes on in a seven day if you don't have any rest days in your program which most affiliates don't you program seven days a week you're open seven days a week you don't have control of when your athletes come in or when they don't come in so it's for them it's kind of a, a random game about when what is this athlete experiencing and what have they done the day before and like what have how how are they feeling? So upper and lower body movement function and also balancing like a wave of intensity across a week of programming because it can't just be seven days of you know Fran type workouts running the gauntlet one through seven. Those are the two most difficult things I think in like a well thought out CrossFit program without rest days. Without rest days. How do you balance major movement function, upper and lower body? And then how do you balance a wave of intensity across the week? Those, I think if we wanted to nerd out about program. No, at one point, those are, those are tough. It's, you probably get feedback on this too. And see fit. We used to get a lot of feedback on this from cap. Cause I think coaches would like, look at a week and they would look at the week and be like, my athlete's going to go seven days a week. Now I don't know, you know, what is the average or what is the median CrossFit athlete? 
how many times do they go in the gym? I think it's around four days per week. Yeah. Um, but you don't know. We have to hope somebody's taking at least one rest day, but we would run into the same thing and we would kind of joke like, hey, what is going to be like that quote unquote throwaway workout this week? The one that everyone looks at, like it could be a good workout, but everyone looks at it and they're like, ah, does it look as fun or as intense or as exciting as the other ones? Because it is hard programming seven days and especially keeping that variance piece there. Um, there are little things I would always do. I would always try, not always, but most of the time, I would try and have a workout um, that would kind of reduce range of motion around both hip, knee, shoulder joints, all three of those. And so that would typically include something like carries, maybe some midline flexion, um, you know, step ups, things like that was just shorter range of motion. I would try and have that in there. And then something that deliberately slowed people down, like a farmer carry mm. or, I don't know, there's a long list of other slower movements, holds, things like that. I would try and have one of those in per week. And I think that would really help sort of uh, protect people from themselves. That's kind of how I looked at it. Um, Cause you do run into those athletes who, you know, might be on like a 14 day workout bender, just a you know? bender nonstop, you know? And it's like, I'm not going to tell them, no, don't come into the gym. Hey, a rest day is probably beneficial for you, but to have something in there like that. And then, um, you know, that would help kind of spread out the use of like upper body, lower body, and also having like a monostructural day in there. I think interval days are really cool. And I think if you can learn at your gym, how to like put some pride around those days, mm. you will have people who just won't show up for whatever reason. But, um, you know, I was always a big fan on those days, especially if the gym has the equipment, you know, if let's say it's some distance interval, good run. If you want to run, run, if you want to bike, bike, if you want to ski or skier, if you want to row, row, like being less rigid about what equipment they had to use, I thought was always a nice way to do that. Mm. Um, cause for me personally, it's like, I only have a rower or for a long time, I only had a rower at home. And if I went into the gym, I wanted to use everything other than the rower, especially like a C2 bike or whatever. So those are mm. some things I would think about, uh, for sure, but it's not an easy, you know, it's not an easy thing to, um, especially if you're programming for another gym, cause they always look at it as the entire week. And they're like, Hey, why are we squatting three times this week? you're like, well, one's a lunge, one's weighted, one's low volume, uh, light. And it's like, mo hopefully the majority of athletes aren't showing up for that three, just day. those three days. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's possible. But yeah, yeah, for it's sure. It's definitely a tough thing. Yeah. And then the feedback, you know, that comes in usually comes in from, um, you know, people who, who might not, who only have the opportunity, you know, you hear from those people who like, man, I, every day I came in this week, they were squatting. Well, like, it's not going to be like that every week. It just happened to be like that this week because you came in on maybe those three days. That's really hard to do that you, when you don't control all the variables in a programming um, with your audience. You don't control when they train. You don't control how many days, what time they train, what they've done outside of the gym. And that's what I think makes um, you know one-on-one -on -one training or like small group training almost much easier to program for because you're for controlling sure. all those variables. You know exactly what's up. For anyway, sure. anyway. Oh, you're I'm muted. Mute. Just out there, just. Just wrap it to the, just to yeah. the ether. Well, I was, uh, I was screaming um, as you were talking. So I had to mute myself because everything was wrong that you were saying. Um, no, I, I actually, I love the, the monostructural stuff. I think we've talked about this in length, but I, 
I love those days. We program one interval day every week at tilt. Um, not always on the same day because we're trying to be a CrossFit program, but, um, I like you just said, like an opportunity to use different machines or like an opportunity to like lean into one machine. If you are consistently programming intervals, you can talk to your athletes like, hey, could be really cool for like the month of November or whatever. Use the bike for all your intervals and start to really understand what your pacing is like. Then when we start to do couplets and triplets and chippers that are using the bike, you're going to have this way better understanding of what your paces are at these certain distances and at these certain time domains. Like again, you know, MDV, you're talking about like geeking out on things. It's like, you can, you can create really wonderful stuff for, for your members. And, um, I, I hate farmers carries. Oh my gosh. They are the, it's, it, it is, it's the hardest movement for me. I can't, this is what I can't understand. When you do a farmer's carry, are you allowed to shuffle your feet? Like, can you move quickly or should you be like walking? Well, this is a good question because I always encourage people to try and move fast. Because one, I think it's cool to run with heavy an object, um, but that's a good. And you're kind of getting that, some insider information on this because you're training for a tactical games. I heard. Yes, you're going to yeah, farmer I, carry a ton whoa. of stuff. We should yeah. talk about that. Sure um sure well sure. you know a, cu a couple months ago i uh i got uh my license to carry and i joined uh farmers carry. Gun. yeah mm. carrying green um no and i you know joined a joined a local gun club and um let me tell you shooting is really boring when you are just in a range it is like the most boring thing in the world you go there you work on your accuracy for a little bit and I'm like, I like what a waste. So how um, long did it take for you to get used to like the, um, the power of the trigger pull and like, what kind of, what kind of weapon are you firing? Bazooka. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uzi. The fact that you say uh, bazooka just means that like when someone's like, yeah, I, have you ever shot a bazooka? And I'm like, you clearly don't know anything about a bazooka. Um, but, but I just remember, have you ever, have you ever used a blunderbuss? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remember like playing Duke Nukem 3D and mm, Doom and Wolfenstein, like the all BFG. those three games, those three games, the BFG is from Doom. Um, uh, and that was you you most likely used a cheat code to get there. So um anyway, it's it it, it, it took me a little while the to fuck out of me. Playing Doom oh, on your dude. like old school computer. Dude, that well, game first was of, I, gnarly. I didn't grow up with any video games, so I had to go over to my buddy Scott's house to play uh, to play video games because we didn't have any of that stuff growing up. Um, that was right before the play. era of downloading insanely, like uh, you download everything off a of LimeWire, right? Like do that whole era of computers, Doom, Wolfenstein, all that kind of stuff was predates. Oh, era. Yeah, predates LimeWire, computer just viruses nonstop on your parents but computer you, you wouldn't you wouldn't download video games offline no wire. that's no, not you what don't. i was downloading offline <laughs> wires <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a family show it's a family show <laughs> just um, somewhere there's just a cache of old LimeWire computers with every movie ever on it mom's old ibm me. laptop for work which is just totally <laughs> decimated <laughs> The computers are just so sparking. Yeah. Just dripping wet. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, 
So anyway. Um, oh, so and anyway, it took it took me a little while to to get used to to get used to the whole thing. But then, then I like would go to the range. I'm like, okay, this is like, it's fine. This is it's it's a cool experience. I'm definitely working the accuracy piece. But then, um, I looked I looked you know on on the interwebs on IG and looked up some of the stuff from the tactical games. I know um, Hefner is doing it. Cody Anderson. Uh, Jason's going to give it a shot. J- Jared, uh, yeah, Jared Stevenson. Um, you said Jason Kalipa. And then we have uh, a local guy around here, um, Tim Samansky, the wad doc, and um, got put in touch with him. And so essentially it's like it's like a biathlon type event where you're doing stuff to get your heart rate up where you're doing, like you said, carries, rope climbs, sandbag cleans. It's all very grunt worky type of stuff. And then there's an accuracy component with shooting. And so I did my first workout last week and like anything that you start in your brand new at was completely humbled by how incredibly difficult it is to do something that seems so simple. Mm. The workout that I did was three rounds, a hundred meter sled, sled drag and eight shots to a target. And the first round, I think I hit six of eight. The second round I hit three of eight and the last round I hit one of eight. I was like, all right, well, there you go. Sucking is the beginning of being good at something. So I definitely sucked, but it was fun. Tough combination to do something that gets your heart rate up, <clears throat> taxes your breathing, and then you have to slow everything down to try to zero in on pinpoint accuracy. Definitely, part definitely of, tough conversation uh, co- uh, combination. Part just, of training is actually pinpoint. You do that, and then you try and take a piece of thread and thread it through a needle. Very hard to do. James? I was just saying this is a total tangent not kind of a tangent here i was like i really like the fitness that comes with carrying objects i was um moving some sandbags this weekend and i just kind of hit me i was like i should just carry this stupid 150 around more often it's just so uncomfortable it hurts your head and your neck and it's a really simple thing to do Mm. Um, and i was like i just i felt weak at it what um what if you could say like okay like what's the weight of sandbag if you could like you're like this is the standard size that i need for like my household is it the 150 i feel like the 150 no. is so Bro, fucking heavy the, the 150 is insanely heavy i was right? i picked it up the other day and i was like the fact that i used to pick this up regularly and easily and for like hey let's just do this little three rounder it's like astounding but i think 100 is right 100 yeah is it's is relative to obviously the size of the athlete but if we're talking about like an, an average size guy who is doing fitness who can come into the gym do most movements has good command of their own body weight. I think a hundred pounds is like good for most of those movements, picking it up, walking with it, holding it, getting it to the shoulder, dumping it over below a hundred. Like the difference between the weights of the sandbags is kind of crazy. Cause at 75 pounds, man, you could like, you're just tossing that thing. Yeah. And then at a hundred pounds, you have to think about it. It gets challenging at 150 pounds. It's like the heaviest object you've tried to ever fucking pick up in your life. Is is a is a hundred pound D ball harder or easier than a hundred pound sandbag? Oh, no, I was I was thinking about this the other day because we had both, and um, I don't know which one's easier. No, it's really like tough. The, is the rogue rub. I have a rogue rubber. You know those rogue rubber D balls? Like they're 
they're not um they don't have sand inside i don't know how the the heck they're filled up but they're like a hard rubber ball it has no give it, it there's no give whatsoever and that is really challenging for a hundred to because to even wrap your arms around it is really tough because with the d ball the d ball has give to it where you can like squeeze it against your body and like you can pull your forearms into it a little bit but the the hard rubber ball that rogue makes the hundred pound ball is very very tough it's black right i think conversation dogs have that tennis ball (laughs) i got a lacrosse ball the other day that shit is so hard to bite oh dude you first off if you're playing fetch with your dog and you're using a lacrosse ball you hate your dog you should not be you should not be playing fetch with a lacrosse ball that is like i had a really proud dog dad moment recently with, with my dog boots so Boots is, uh, I adop- we adopted Boots or adopted Boots from Mexico um, a couple of years back. And dude, she's a ball of energy, man. She's like a little medium-sized dog. Kind of looks like she's got um, some lab in her, maybe some pit, whatever. But a mutt. She is out of control, the most fun ever. But she was super scared to go into the ocean. And when we went down the first day, just looking at the water, did not want to go in at all. And then when I went in and uh, she, I wasn't looking at her, like I'm at my back turned to her, she like fucking bolted in past me into the water, dude. It was so cool. I was so happy. And now she loves it, man. She loves going in the water every day. Really, that really is, cool dog dad moment. Uh, well, that's that's the freaking best. Dude. Having your dog going swimming and and I would assume it's cooler than watching your kid going swimming because <laughs> come on. <laughs> I mean, the only reason I say that is, um, well, dogs are just cooler. Um, and the thing is, is just dogs know how to swim, which again, kids don't. <laughs> dogs just know how to doggy paddle. It's, it's the best. It's the most fun. Um, we love playing uh, fetch with havoc in the water. And he like loves running and like diving into the water and, and yeah. going after it. So it's dogs it's, have it's the most great, fun, man. They have the, the, <laughs> the, I mean, a lot of dogs don't have great lives. I understand that a lot of dogs out there not, not having a whole lot of fun, but a well taken care of dog, man. It's so cool to see just like how much they enjoy. If you're their human, how much they enjoy being with you. That is a cool oh, feeling. Yeah, yeah we were, we were, Britt and I were talking about it last night about how when you come home, they like Havoc specifically will grab like his most favorite toy and like bring it to you and like, you know, smash it into you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Dude, he's like, look at this fucking toy, dude. He's like, he's like, fucking take it from me. Like, <laughs> yeah. are you Just gonna like smash gonna, it into your face? Yeah. Like, like, are you gonna, are you gonna fucking pull on this toy? Like, come on. Like, did you even see that I have this thing? I'm like, yeah. I like, I, I, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I'm like, oh yeah, I fucking love this thing. Bam, slam yeah. my duck. <laughs> yeah, it's Nothing it's better. it's awesome. And apparently, the reason this happens is dogs have no sense of time right so this is you know they they don't know what the hell is going on so the second the door is closed you know it's like you're gone and i think i think and i don't know if anybody has like a nanny cam set up for their dogs i i feel weird about this i'm like 
I don't want to spy on my dogs, you know, like whatever they're doing when I'm gone, that's fine. As long as they're not having people over, or if they are, as long as <laughs> they're, they're cleaning, cleaning up, up yeah. as long as they're cleaning up, like I'm fine. Like every that's like, Oh yeah. I love setting up a camera to watch what my fucking animals are doing. It's like, can they at least have a little bit of privacy? So these anyway. <laughs> cam videos of the dogs getting on like the dining room table though. And just like hanging out all day are pretty fucking hilarious. That yeah. is Although, that like, what, really what fun if to you watch. set up the nanny cam and you watch your dog fucking smoke weed? You have to go home, have a conversation <laughs> with him. Like, yeah. Riffin, dude, come on, man. We found your stash. Or you got a cat. <laughs> we found the fucking catnip, like, and you have to flush it. Oh, come on. You know what <laughs> it's I mean? not mine. You know I'm holding I, it for a friend. <laughs> you know how much I paid for that? Like, you got to flush it? Um, no, but the thing is, you close the door, you leave, and then I think dogs just – they just go to sleep. And so as soon as that door opens again, it could be seven minutes. It could be seven hours. They're like, let's fucking party. It is time to party. It's the best. And I'm there for that energy. That's the oh, best yeah. energy. All right, fellas. Well, we didn't get to the uh, the latest we got announcement. 10 minutes. We got 10 minutes. We got to sign off. It. Yeah, we'll forget it. It'll what? probably be old news next week. Um, but fellas, any any last words before we sign off today? Yeah. I do have some last words. I've been uh, waiting to talk about this a lot. Um, <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie. Yes, Christmas plays a prevalent role in the movie, but the whole thing is based around Halloween. Uh -huh. So you can certainly watch it during Christmas. Totally fine. But please know its rightful place is on Halloween. I think it's a dual functioning movie. I think it it serves both holidays equally well. Really yeah, whatever. movie. Tim Burton classic. I want to watch, you know what I want to watch again is uh, Jingle All the Way. Do you remember that Sinbad? With Arnold, Arnold and Sinbad? Yeah. When he's trying I to get the, Arnold's in it. The toy. I, I rewatched it. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's pretty it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I rewatched it this past year. It's pretty funny. It's good. Yeah. When Sinbad's like, he's got the, the brainiac. Hair. He's like, I've got a bigger brain. <laughs> <laughs> you don't James, even need to rewatch it. You know the whole thing. I favorite all-time Halloween movie. You have one? James is going to come up with something super scary. I know he's into these scary Fuck movies. That. I don't want to hear about no it. No way. I mean, Trick or Treat. Actually, I don't have an all-time favorite, but there was this one I watched a while ago. It was a little kind of scary movie called Trick or Treat, which is really cool. Sounds scary. Little, the spirit of Sam Hain runs around dressed up as like a scary little jack-o'-lantern kid and you know basically kills people who don't follow Halloween traditions. It's great. I'm gonna go with more of a classic. I think I'll go with Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice oh, is a oh, fantastic. I just watched that the other day. Halloween too. movie. God, Beetlejuice is good. So good. Michael Keaton is phenomenal in Beetlejuice. He kills that role. All right, fellas. Talk to you next week. Enjoy giving out those king sizes, buddy. See ya. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go. Let's go.